0: Morning. <laughs> Anyone ever have that happen? Everyone, ever? Uh, we, uh, we, we introduced a brand new teaching series a couple weeks ago and we, we launched it with this video. And then today we thought it'd be a good one to bring it back because today we're going to be talking about those moments when bottom falls out. If you are just joining us two weeks ago, we started a, uh, a new s- series, a teaching series called The Pursuit of. Of happiness, and I gave you a thesis as we started this series. I modified the thesis a little bit, so even if you were taking notes the last couple of weeks, I encourage everyone to pull out the note sheet today. Um, and here's my slightly modified thesis that we have for this series that we're in, called "The Pursuit of Happiness." Thesis is this: happiness and joy can be God honoring pursuits. And in this series, sometimes we talk about happiness and sometimes we talk about joy. And you're going to find throughout the series that there's a lot of overlap when we use those two words because that's the case in the scriptures as well. There's a lot of overlap between these two words. Here's an example of one of those um, passages in the Bible that, that uses joy and happiness. It comes from the book of Jeremiah. And for those of you who've read the Bible before, the um, book of Jeremiah is not exactly where you'd go for happiness, right? Uh, here's, <laughs> here's what it says. Look at this. I will turn, this is God speaking prophetically, I will turn their mourning into what? Into joy. And I'll bring happiness from their grief. Does God want us to experience joy? Yeah, he does. He really does. Does he want you to experience happiness? Yep, he he really does. And the reason we brought back that video, I mentioned that earlier, is there's going to be times in our life when the bottom drops out. We're, We're pursuing happiness, we're pursuing joy, and something comes into our life, some sort of storm comes our way, and boy, it, uh, it, it gets tough. And when those times come, not if, when those times come, God wants to help you get, him, get through them. He does. He wants to see that mourning turn into joy. He wants to see happiness come forth from your grief. And I was thinking and preparing for this service and um, today, and I was just reminded as a church how many times we've been through together um, of bottoms dropping out. And I was even thinking about our very first launch team meeting. Some of you were there for that. We, we met in a church basement. And literally the day of our first launch team meeting as a church is the day that the bridge collapsed, 35W Bridge collapsed. And so we came together not knowing if people, everyone had somebody that was going to go over that bridge that day. And I remember talking about that, not knowing at the time, you know, where, if our loved ones were all okay. I remember that. Our first year as a church was 2008. And something happened to the economy in 2008. Bottom just dropped out. And we had a whole lot of people who really felt the impact of that um, with their jobs. We also had a number of people who are still feeling that with the housing market, stock market, all these things. You know, in our nine years as a church, we've had to say a lot of sad goodbyes to people that moved and sad goodbyes to people that moved on. We've had to say a lot harder goodbyes than that when we've lost relatives and we've lost brothers and sisters and parents and kids. We've spent some really hard moments together. We've felt, felt the sting of lies and betrayal. We've gathered around people who were surprised by a pregnancy. We've gathered around other people who really longed to get pregnant. We've gathered around parents whose pregnancies never made it to full term. We've had friends of ours in Juarez over the course of this church who were kidnapped. We've had some that were threatened. Most were threatened. We had uh, people that we know get killed when the cartels were warring with one another in the city. We've been through that. We felt the pain of watching loved ones walk away from God. We felt the remorse of giving into temptation ourselves. We felt the pain of and disappointment of not making a team or getting passed up for a promotion or failing a test or not closing a deal. We're feeling like we're in the outside looking in. And as we continue to grow and and God continues to add to this church family, we're going to have new challenges, right, together that we'll walk through. We don't know what those storms are going to be. We just know that they are coming. They are coming. Many of you are going through them right now. Storms will come our way. That is one of life's few guarantees. And so here's the question that we're going to talk about this morning, and it's directly related to this whole bottom falling out thing here's the question. There's a place to write this in your notes. As you pursue happiness, which we all should, as you pursue joy, which we all should, how are you preparing for life's storms? Because they are coming. How are you preparing for them? Um, In a few minutes, I'm going to give you some specific prepper advice. I learn a lot of words. (laughs) Um, Not being a real internet guy, I learn a lot of words. And prepper is one of them. It's not Dr pepper. Prepper uh, is this thing. It's a thing. Um, It's been going on for some time. These preppers, they prepare. Anyone ever heard of Y2K? Remember that old thing, right? The world's going to end. Get all your stuff. Um, So preppers prepare for worst case scenarios, nuclear wars and and all these things and zombie apocalypses and and all of that. Um, Preppers prepare. Well, we're not talking about that kind of prepping today because you can take some prepping too far. If things get so bad that you're bunkering down in a renovated missile silo and you've got your 10 years of, de- what's it, freeze-dried beef stroganoff. You know, I'm just going to tell you right up, your quality of life, it just, you know, don't even bother, right? I'm um, for, for that. That's not the kind of preparations we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about different kinds of preparation and I want it to be as practical as we can. Today I'm going to be giving you preparations that, that helped me when I lost my dad. I want to give you the preparations that will help when you are in a doctor's office and the doctor comes in with a test result and it's bad news because everybody in this room, if you haven't already, you're probably going to have that happen. We're going to talk about the kind of preparations that Christians in Syria are glad they had made getting right with God when ISIS rolled into town. Th- that's the kind of stuff we're going to talk about today, that, that sort of preparation as best we can with the time that we've got. Now, before we get to the preparations we we got to start with the foundation. And the foundation is a foundation of hope. It's the hope that one day mourning can turn to joy. It's the hope that grief can become happiness. Where do we have that hope? We've got that hope in God. Our hope that, that God really can bring forth joy from mourning, happiness from grief. It is anchored. It is anchored in the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And throughout this series, what we've been focusing on each week, we brought out what we call our memory verse, our memory verse. It's found in this passage of Scripture that we've been looking at for the last couple of weeks, we'll continue to look at in John, the later chapters of John 14, 15, 16, 17. And right close to the middle, in John 15, 11, there's the verse that we're calling our memory verse. And guess what I did? I went to Walgreens, and I found gold stars. So if that's part of your history, and you can say this one from memory, I'll hook you up with a gold star. Um, well, you should have seen my wife Laura's eyes just roll when I <laughs> pulled that out. So anyway, if, you, if you're able, since some of you have been here for a couple weeks, you've been working on this, if you can say it with your eyes closed, great. If not, eyes wide open, and here's the verse. We're calling this our memory verse. It is from Jesus himself. He gave us this these words. So here we go. Let's say it together. John 15, 11 goes like this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That That's our anchor, right? This is an invitation from Jesus himself that his joy could be in us and that our joy could be full. That's what we're hanging on to. Not some false hope. We're, we're hanging on to this. One of the reasons that this passage that we just said together there has our full attention during this series is because of its context. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. As Jesus was saying these words, these words about joy and that his joy may be in us, as he's saying that, that was on the night of his betrayal. People that were in that room, one of the guys in that room while he was saying that was going to betray Jesus that night. Jesus knew that. In that room, This was, as Jesus speaking these words, he's speaking it on the eve of his crucifixion, which he knew was coming. He was speaking these things to, to men who would be going forth from this place, and in the years to come, all of them would be either persecuted or imprisoned or killed for their faith. He's saying, my joy will be in you. Your joy will be full. That's who he's speaking to. That is the context. Storms were coming the biggest storms that these people had ever been through. And here Jesus is talking about joy. Wow. As he spoke these words, he was preparing them. And you're going to see preparing language here as we look at today's text. He was preparing them. And so with the brief time we've got this morning, let's explore what Jesus said to his followers about his joy, about his peace as he prepared them for storms. If you have your Bibles, let's open up John 16. We are at chapter 16 now. I want to let you know, too, as we open up our Bibles, if you're new here and don't know this, we always have a stack of Bibles out there at the entrances, and they're there for you to take home as a free gift. This is the preparation guide here. And we want to give you one of those free of charge. We'd be honored if you'd take one home. All right, here we go. John chapter 16, these again are the words of Jesus. Let's start with verses 1 and 2. Jesus says on the night of his betrayal, on the eve of his crucifixion, he said, I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he's offering a service to whom? To God. Does that ring true today? There are Christians right now, they're experiencing that. They think, there are people who think if we kill this Christian, we're offering a service to God. Unbelievable how timeless this book is. All right, picking up with verse three, Jesus continues on. He says, okay, they're going to do these things because they have not known the father nor me, but I have told these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I have told them to you. This is what Jesus says. Now, for the record, did Jesus ever promise that if you're a follower of his, you will have a storm-free future? Did Jesus ever promise that? No, there is false teaching out there that that basically says that. Jesus never promised that. In fact, what did he promise? He promised this, that you're going to have these storms. They're going to come. He has hope, but he says they will come. That's what Jesus says, picking up the verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. Because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now, one of the things we've seen as we've been looking through these chapters here is the the Holy Spirit, this, this helper that Jesus continues to mention. And he mentions the helper again here, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it was to his disciples' advantage that he went away so that the helper would come to them. All right, let's keep reading. We're going to jump ahead to verse 16. Jesus said, Okay, in a little while, you'll see me no longer. And then again, in a little while, you will see me. So some of the disciples said, Okay, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you don't see me. A little while, you're going to see me because I'm going to the Father. They're, they're saying, What does he mean? What is he even talking about? I love the honesty of the Bible. What is he even talking about? <laughs> Jesus, is like, I'm right here, you guys. I think this teaching is so important because I've felt that way. And every person I've talked to, when they're honest, they've felt that way where they expected Jesus would do something that he didn't do. They expected a prayer. This is is basic. God, if you are real, do this. Or if you're real, why are you not doing this? We've all been. If you're a follower of Jesus, I guarantee that if you walk with Jesus closely, there are going to be times where you are as confused as they were, what, what, What? why are you not doing this? Why are you, where are you? Jesus was right there and they still had trouble understanding what he was saying. They needed that helper. And I'm thinking about our storm metaphor that I'm going to weave in here today. And I think about what happens to our visibility during a storm. If you're driving down the road and a storm starts to flare up and that storm gets stronger and stronger, what happens to your visibility? It decreases. As the intensity of the storm increases, usually our vision decreases. There are rare moments where your clarity comes in the midst of a storm, but often it is not until the storm passes and the helper helps you that you can make any sense at all, if you can, of what happened. The same thing happens often, so often in life. When storms come our way, it is natural to ask things like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Or why aren't you answering my prayer? Or did I do something wrong? Or am I being punished? Or is this a test? Or is there something I can do to make this go away? Hey, I want to give you the grace, right? If you feel all kinds of guilt when those questions come, and you're like, oh, if I was a stronger Christian or something, I wouldn't have these questions. No. This is just as natural as it is. These questions come in the storms. It is not just you. When storms are at their strongest, our visibility is often almost always limited. And there's people we need to hear that, not as an admonishment, but as an encouragement. We need to hear that, so I'll say it again. This time, hopefully, correctly. The storms are at their strongest. See, I messed it up again. When storms are at their strongest, our visibility is almost always limited. One more time. This time, I'll get it right. When storms are at their strongest, our visibility is almost always limited. Which then brings me to this idea that I I felt pop in my head as I was preparing for today, and that was this idea of a storm shelter. We need storm shelters. We need to have that preparation in place when the storms come and our visibility is not clear. This this place we can anchor to, this place we can go, this place we can these truths we can hang on to. We need to have that in place because when you're in the middle of it, your whole life can just get uprooted. And these questions come and you don't know what to do with them. What might happen to our visibility if we have a storm shelter and then it passes? What might the helper be able to do with that? Okay, well here's what Jesus says next. Let's keep going to the text. In, in verse 20, he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you." You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered her baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I see some very comforting uh, glances being made in this room right now. And then he goes on to say this. So also you will have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one, look what he says. No one will take your joy from you. Now, everything Jesus says has a context. And was this specific to them at the time? Absolutely. The the Jesus words proved true for his disciples, at least most of them. Most of them weathered the storm. They did see Jesus again, and their hearts did rejoice. But here's why I think we can apply this to us, what we just read. We can apply it to us because Paul did. There was a first-century believer named Paul. And he wrote a letter to the, to the Romans. And in there, in, in chapter 8, verse 18, he, goes, he says this, picking up on this theme. He says, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. There will come a day in this life or the next when our eyes will be opened. And we'll see that evil doesn't win this war. Death doesn't get the final word. And we'll know that we know that we know that we know that we know that God never leaves us and never forsakes his own. That day will come. And there's people, I've met them, who come out of the storms with greater peace and greater joy than when they went in. seeing a lot of nods today, and that's just so good. I think about one of my friends. He was a roommate in college. One of the hardest workers I know. Many of you know this guy. Um, they've got... So many kids in their family, they literally could field two full basketball teams and the refs. I mean, it is a big family. Well, he, he's one of the hardest workers I know. And I know a lot of hard workers because I know you guys. And, and one of the hardest workers I know, but he went six months without a job. And on the other side of that storm, he said, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, what God did in my life. All right, let's jump to verse 33, back to the text. Jesus says this. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you are going to have tribulation. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Amen. When storms come, we've got this firm foundation to hold on to. Because he didn't just say these things on some random Thursday. He said these things on a Thursday, and that Sunday he walked out of a tomb, his own tomb. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. And in this world, we can also experience the peace and the joy of the one who overcame the world. We have his example, we have his teaching, and we have the helper that he promised to send. But none of that means, none of that means that we should expect that our visibility is always going to be clear when we're in the storm. None of that is a guilt thing that we throw on our shoulders. Oh, if only I had enough faith, I would always feel peace. I would always feel joy. There is nothing wrong with you if you experience fear and you experience doubt and you experience sadness and you experience confusion. Why would Jesus send a helper if we didn't need help? Let me say that one again. Why would Jesus send a helper if we didn't need help. He gets it. Think again of the context. Jesus is saying these words about his joy. Where did he go next? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we read in one of the other gospel accounts, he was in so much anguish as he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me, this storm that's coming, that when he was sweating, we don't even have words in the English, we're not exactly sure what was happening, but either the sweat was blood or blood was in it, or it was like drops of blood. That's how much anguish he was in. And when he went to the cross, what do we read in two of the other Gospels? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do we always feel peace if we're close to God? No. Do we always feel joy? No. And there's nothing wrong with you at all. You are healthy and normal and all those things if you feel pain, because pain is real. And it's okay when things don't make sense because there's a whole lot of things that never will on this side. And there's going to be times where if there's hope, you can't see it. There will be times when you and I don't feel peace or joy and storms are coming, the kinds of storms that will do that to us, that will rock us to the core. That's why I want to encourage us, prepare now. Prepare now. Prepare um, now ironically, I was working on this message um, throughout the week, and, and on Thursday evening, I was working a little late, and all of a sudden, Thursday evening, the storm sirens go off. And I look at my watch. I'm like, wait, isn't it Wednesday at 1? Is, I'm, not, I'm not that out of touch, am I? And, and, and like, 6.55 on a sunny Thursday? <laughs> what is going on? So, you know, I hop online and, and did some Googling, and you guys, anyone else get a little surprised by that? Like, why is the sirens gone? Because there was a test. There was a test. There was a test. We're in Minnesota. Storms are going to come. And people know you want to be prepared when they do. Jesus said, the storms are coming. They are coming. And he also said, I've overcome the world. So now let's put those two realities together and talk about storm shelters. What could we do? What would God have us to do to prepare for the storms to come? Now, There's an unlimited number of things we could talk about. I tried to say as best I can, what are the top three? What are the three most helpful ones that I've seen in my own life, that I've seen in other people's lives? And I also want to say this. Those of you who are parents, we have got to, we have got to get serious about this with our kids because they are falling away at record numbers as they hit the storms, and they're not prepared for them. And so what would God have us to do? Don't just think about yourself. Think also, what would God have us to do to help our families, right? To prepare for what's coming. So here's the one I want to lead off with because this is the one. Pursue his peace and his joy before the storm. And I mean pursue it. Pursue it. Go after his peace until you have peace with God. Go after his joy until you've experienced what people call the joy of the Lord. Go after that with all your heart before the storm comes. Before the storm comes. Following a religion will only take you so far in a storm. This is not about that. Finding and experiencing his peace and his joy, it is qualitatively different than the peace and the joy that the world offers too. Because his peace and his joy, they are not based on circumstances. They are not found in having the right things. They are not found in engaging in the right activities. His peace and his joys, they're not based on what other people think of us or whether or not we hit someone else's standards. His peace and his joy, that is what empowers us to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's so important because there will be times when there is a disconnect between what we know to be true and what we feel. And we need to cling to that which we know to be true. And Jesus said he is the way and the truth. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And here is the truth. The truth is that God can work all things for good. Can I get an amen? And when you've experienced that, when you've experienced that, it gives you hope. If he made made good out of that, he can make good out of this. Experiencing him, the truth is that he will never leave us or forsake us. That is the truth. And when you've been through a storm and you look back and you go, he never left. It gives you hope next time. The truth is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When the doubt comes in your head because of your own mistake and you, you fell into temptation, no, he didn't save me because I was right. He, while we were still sinners, he died for us. The truth that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And you're going to notice as we go through these three things that scripture isn't one of them. That's because scripture is foundational to all of them. All of them, especially this one. First century follower of Jesus named Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ as you seek his peace and his joy dwell in you richly. Scriptures like, oh, death, where is thy sting? He is for us, not against us. He is my rock and my fortress. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Seek that before, before the storm. Know that Peace because it is qualitatively different than the piece that comes from a locked door or antivirus software or a big 401k. Do those bring security? Yes, it's like this kind of security. The security we're talking about is something so different. And his joy is qualitatively different than the joy that comes from a first-round draft pick, although they are so nice, or getting asked to prom or driving home in a new car smell. Those things can be fun, right? Very different kind of joy than the joy of the Lord. Know the joy of the Lord so that if all of those things don't come to pass. You don't need them anyway. Authentic faith in Jesus of Nazareth it is grounded in truth that his sacrifice was sufficient for our sins, that his resurrection is proof of our eternal hope, that his spirit is available to all who sincerely ask and eternity is not the sunset, it is the sunrise. rise when we know that, when we experience that, then any other poser peace, poser joy, will begin to feel like it really is. It's a lesser form. It's a peace and joy that is qualitatively different. During the storm, it is hard to see. Hard to see. That's why you want to experience it before the storm. I had this picture come into my head as I was thinking about these things. And imagine, it's kind of a fun picture at first, because imagine you're on an amazing yacht. Someone gave it to you, right? You get this amazing yacht and you're out in the ocean and then here comes the storm. And think of the nastiest storm you can come up with. Huge waves, lightning, darkness all around, and your yacht starts to sink. That thing that had joy and happiness, right? When it starts to sink, do you want to hang on to that? when that thing is going down to Davy Jones's locker, you, you do not want to hang on to that, right? You want to let go of that. As much as you thought, this was my joy, this is my hope, this is my peace, as much as that's what you thought, you've got to let go of that in the storm. And then you've got to fix your eyes on the lighthouse and swim after that thing with everything you've got. And here's where prayer comes in. You're going, where's prayer on this list? Prayer is everywhere on this list, including here. Because as you're swimming, pray pray, pray, pray. Pray for the storm to end. Pray for help to come. Pray for protection. Pray for strength. Pray for healing. Pray, pray, pray. And because you have the peace, because you have the joy coming in, you know that those prayers are heard. And you know that those tears are felt. So as you cry out, even if you're not getting the answer you hope for, you know that it's being heard. Keep pursuing that peace and that joy that you know to be true because it will come. God will turn your joy or will bring forth joy from your mourning. He will bring happiness out of your grief in this life or the next. You may not know. We we may never know why God allowed a certain storm to come. It could be as simple as you are really stupid. It could be a lot more than that. It could be from the pit. We may never know. But either way, it is important to know God's peace and his joy now so that darkness doesn't cause you to abandon what the light had proven true. All right, next two will do a lot quicker. But they're really important. Number two, find your R&W people before the storm. Find your R&W people before the storm. The man named Paul that we've referenced earlier, he went through a lot of storms. And here's something else he wrote in that letter to the Romans. He wrote this, Romans 12, starting with verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And here's the R and W part. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And what? Weep with those that weep. Do you have those people in your life? Because you are going to want them. You are going to need them during the storms, right? Those who will weep when you weep and rejoice when you rejoice. That is such an important thing. I came across this quote as I was preparing this week. Got to get my N.T. right on, right? Just, here we go. Here's this quote of the day. Comfort is a strange and wonderful thing. Have you ever noticed how when someone is deeply distressed after a bereavement or tragedy, the fact of having other people with them, hugging them, being alongside them, it gives them strength for the next moment. And then the one after that, and then the one after that. Outwardly, Nothing has changed. The tragedy is still the tragedy, strategy, but human support changes our ability to cope with disaster. It gives us strength. And I need to hit pause right now, and I need to speak to those of you who I know. You're an amazing congregation for so many reasons, but this is one of them. And boy, I was sharing this with 915. It was bobbleheads, right? As we started, I just started talking about how I've watched you have come around each other in those hard times. Like no, like no other group I've ever been a part of this thoroughly. I've always seen pockets of that at every church. I've never seen a church where this many people aren't doing this. In fact, Jennifer can testify to this because each of us have had this experience. We've called in after a tragedy hit. And we've called in and we said, what can we do to help as a church? And they, people have actually said, actually, we're okay. Because our small group is here at the hospital. And they've already brought food to our house. And my family's flown in. And my friends are praying for me. Actually, we're good. And Jennifer and I are like high-fiving because that is plan A. We call that plan A. Isn't that what you want for plan A? Instead of someone that you kind of know coming to visit you. Don't you want the people that really know you coming around you? That is plan A. We'll do our best for plan B. Absolutely. That's part of why we exist as a, as, a, as a body of favor. But that is plan A. And if you don't have those plan A people, if you don't have the RNW people, I am excited that we are going to be launching another opportunity this summer called Around the Table. What, what's the official title that you're giving? it? Summer Around the Table. That'll be my new memory thing, right? Summer Around the Table. It's a great idea getting together around a table this summer and getting to know some people because we have so many new faces here. Getting to know each other, building those relationships so that you have more of those people in your life who could possibly become this. And I tell you what, the best way to find those people in addition to trying these things is to become that kind of person. You want to have an R&W person, be an R&W person. Look for ways where you can rejoice and support them. So talk to Jennifer. We'll also be rolling this thing out this summer. I'm really excited for it. Number three. Last one we'll cover today. Stock up on sacred songs before the storm. The word sacred, it means holy. It means godly. It means set apart. And I cannot say enough for the role that great songs play. It might seem like, oh, this is on such a different level than the rest of them. It's not. This can be a really big deal songs that are grounded in Scripture, songs that speak truth to your soul, the kind of song that is really a form of prayer. Think about Jesus. In this passage we just read, the context for this passage, Jesus says these things to his disciples in an upper room, and then he goes to the Mount of Olives, and the other Gospels say that between the time when we wrapped things up in the upper room and they went to the Mount of Olives, what did they do? They sang him. I've mentioned Paul multiple times this morning. One day, Paul, get this, Paul is going somewhere to pray. Along the way, they encounter this demon-possessed girl. And over the course of time, Jesus casts a demon out of a demon-oppressed girl. And you know what he gets for it? He gets beaten by rods and thrown in prison. And most people, if they didn't have peace with God going into that storm, they'd be like, what kind of God allows this? I was going to pray and I helped a kid and here I get beaten and thrown in jail. That's right. Come on. Let's be honest. That thought might cross your mind. Come on. Holier than thou for the love. All right. This this is a storm, right? That would be in my head. Come on. What else do I got to do? God, but that's what storms do to us. Right. But before that storm ever came before that storm ever came, Paul knew the peace of God. He knew the joy of the Lord. So that when the storm came, he and Silas, who was with him, they kept their eyes on the lighthouse. And they experienced God's peace and joy. God was already their king. That was a done deal. And they had understood what it mean to be a servant of the king. God was already their father. And they knew the joy of being adopted as his sons. So they already had that. So the coming into this. They're not like, oh, this is a surprise. The world is being worldly. No, this is exactly what we were prepared for. We were prepared for this. Jesus said this was coming. And we're going to serve our king. We're going to come to our father in our time of need. What do they do? How does this fit in with singing? Most of you know the punchline, Acts sixteen twenty-five. They didn't behave like the world behaves. They had a different kind of peace, a different kind of joy. Here's what they did about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying. There's prayer in everything. And what else were they doing? They were singing hymns to God. And it doesn't end there. This popped out at me this week. And the prisoners were what? Listening to them. Of course the prisoners are listening to them. Why are the prisoners? Because nobody does this. We just beat you with rods and we threw you in prison and you're singing to the God who let this happen. What is wrong with you? Well, here's what happened. Many of you know the rest of this because you've read this before. The Philippian jailer came to Christ along with his whole household. They had never seen anything like this before. And the other stuff that happened. You have to read it. There's the reference. If it ever came to this for you, and it could. If it ever came to you and you were in prison, do you have your song? When the storms come, do you have your songs? You need them. I'm forever indebted to an artist named Rich Mullins who was there for me when my dad died because I was there in the hospital room when he passed and I remember that long drive home to the family farm alone and I remember playing a song called Home by Rich Mullins over and over again as I drove down 316, made the turn on 200th Street. Awesome song. Here's just a small part of the lyrics though the chill of the night still hangs in the air i can feel the warmth of morning on my face though that storm had tossed me till i thought i'd nearly lost my way and now the night is fading the storm is past and everything that could be shaken was shaken and all that remains is all i ever really had i mean Find songs. That one spoke to me. Find the songs that speak to you. Find them. I had a moment at the 915 service with Cornerstone. Had a moment. Find your songs. Find them that speak to your soul because you're going to need them. All right, let me close with this story and a prayer about preparation. Don't know if the story is true, but I um, had never heard it before. It's a story about a woman named Stella. What a great name. Well, Stella, um, not long before Christmas, she lost her husband. Right before Christmas. And that Christmas, as you can only imagine, as a widow, was really, really hard. Well, one day during this Christmas season, Stella's doorbell rang, and she was greeted by a messenger, and the messenger was holding a box. And the messenger said, this is a gift for you, and Stella wasn't expecting anything. And she says, what's in the box? And the messenger holds up the box and gets his grin on his face. He opens the box just enough, and when he opens the box, the box starts wiggling, and this Labrador puppy's head pops out of that crack, right? Cutest Labrador you'd ever seen. And she was delighted, but she was really confused. She's like, who sent me a puppy? At Christmas. And the messenger said, Your husband. Her husband knew that he was going to pass. And her husband had made preparations for the puppy to be purchased and delivered to their house at Christmas. And as the messenger left, he said, Merry Christmas. And in the middle of that storm, she had a Merry Christmas. It was filled with a peace and joy that she never expected before. Especially when she read and then reread the letter from her husband. A letter full of love and encouragement. He was no longer with her in the flesh, but he would always be with her in spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for letting us know and reminding us in your word that the storms will come. Thank you for, in your sovereignty, allowing these stories of people's fear and doubt to be included in your word. Thank you for revealing yourself as King and Father. Thank you for loving us enough to allow the dross to be burned away in our lives. Thank you for your promises that serve as a firm foundation for us to stand on when the storms come. Thank you, Father, that, that you would never intended for us to experience this alone, but you've sent us a helper. You've, you've pushed us towards seeking to be a real part of your church. Thank you for giving us everything that we need to weather any kind of storm, And thank you for the grace you extend to us as we get scared in the midst of it or confused. Lord, I want to pray right now, even as I look out of all the folks who are going through storms right at this moment. Lord, may we be helpful. May your helper meet them in a a powerful way. May they experience in this storm your grace, your comfort, in your peace. This we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.